0: This is episode 32 of Everyday Wellness Integrative Approaches for Mental Tranquility with Lila Dim. I'm Dr. Kelly Donahue, clinical health psychologist, here with my co host, Cynthia Thurlow, nurse practitioner and functional nutritionist. We have over 25 years of combined experience in wellness, nutrition, nursing, and psychology our goal at everyday wellness is to share easy strategies to help as many people as possible become healthier. You can help us attain this goal by leaving us a rating and review on iTunes. The process takes just a few minutes and allows our podcast to be seen when listeners like you are searching for a high quality health and wellness podcast. We are so grateful that you are here and for any time that you take to leave us a review. Now, Let's get started. Welcome to Everyday Wellness. Wellness is the result of the decisions that you make every day. It's your mindset and the thoughts you believe. Wellness is the food you put in your body and the relationship you have with yourself and others. Wellness is your work and meaning. Join us on Everyday Wellness as we explore ways that you can choose wellness today.
1: We have a real treat today, I have to be completely upfront and transparent and let you know that I have known Lila Dim for more than 20 years um, and we are really Really grateful to have her here today. She is a licensed professional counselor in private practice in Cody, Wyoming, with a clinical background spanning 20 years, and she has a keen interest and focus in integrative therapies with a specialty in psycho neuroimmunology, which she will explain to us, or the mind body connection. In her clinical practice, she offers unique bio neurofeedback technology, clinical hypnosis, and psych- psychotherapy for individuals and couples. That biotechnology is especially effective for issues such as anxiety, trauma, depression, fibromyalgia, brain injuries, and other central nervous system-based symptoms. She is now also taking her work out of the office with the introduction of the Aloha Lakahi retreats in Kona Hawaii and her enough online group programs due to be rolled out in February can't wait to hear more about them no matter what the method it's all about moving from desperation to inspiration welcome Lila we're so glad to have you this morning
2: oh thank you both of you I'm so pleased to be here
0: Well, from what we know about you, it seems that you have taken an approach that is not unfamiliar to Cynthia and to me, which is starting out sort of more of a conventional practitioner practicing conventional treatments, and then you were led to an integrated approach. If that's accurate, could you please tell us a little bit more about this journey to where you are today?
2: Oh, absolutely, and it's a great place to start. I would actually say my journey goes even further back, um, and Cynthia is familiar with my background. My father was a psychiatrist, my grandfather was psychiatrist, and I still find myself surprised they ended up in this field. So um, having gone back to school much later, when I'm in my early 30s, when I had my daughter, and having ended up in my work uh, in the jail, homeless, shelters, etc., I went back to graduate school ended up becoming a therapist, ended up here in Cody, Wyoming, and set up my private practice. And of course, the medical model is, is my orientation, is my foundation, we have to keep both sides in mind. But I reached the real point quite a few years ago that I really questioned what was the efficacy of talk therapy and i think that was the beginning of my questioning different ways of understanding healing and integrative wellness and it led me to some of my other teachings and orientation with clinical hypnosis and biofeedback Um, so in essence um, having gone that route and what i noticed quite a few years ago is that um, folks were not necessarily getting better talking about their stories all the time And it was when I ended up at a psychoneuroimmunology workshop in clinical hypnosis, and that was the beginning of my pursuing my certification, and that was my original background. And that was the orientation that first started questioning and really looking at, you know, why are people having so many symptoms, especially um, in terms of stomach issues, digestion, Mm-hmm. Uh, body pain etc that despite going to practitioner after practitioner it was a very common story they could spend an immense amount of time talking about symptoms nobody was getting better and so i think my original um introduction in terms of i came became familiar with dr sarno who connected Uh, originally that back pain and I would say the orientation of anger, especially for us women, that we carry if we don't express it. So the mind-body connection was the natural segue from therapy. I've come to understand that I think a multi-pronged approach is most effective. We all need to talk about our stories, but then we also need to do something about it. And I believe that's where the integrative piece comes in, doing much more somatic body work, getting much more into the subconscious that a lot of times maintains a lot of our symptoms, and then offering workable strategies that people actually can do things to get better, and sometimes the best thing is doing nothing, which is an interesting paradox. So that's about it.
1: No, I think that's amazing, and I'm so glad that you went into this kind of work because for as long as I have known you, you were always kind of um, you know the confidant of everyone. Everyone came to you because you seemed <laughs> like you really listened and provided such valuable feedback and so you've been doing this work your entire life although you may not have initially realized it but i think it's an imprint a really interesting uh perspective that you saw the somatization uh and meaning that uh you know people were coming to you saying they were depressed but they were also having physical pain uh and how often in western medicine we really miss that instead of addressing root cause, we're kind of just addressing symptoms. So I'm glad that you're doing this really valuable work, because I know it makes a big difference for so many.
2: Oh, it truly has. And what's been very interesting, actually, especially in the last five years with the neurofeedback. So even with that, a lot of this, I part of me goes, you know, wonders where does this come from in terms of the idea, but it feels right. But I've learned so much in terms of taking our understanding of us as energetic systems and not woo-woo, but to a whole nother level. So there we get into that neuroscience. We get into that nervous system. We can begin to understand our healing process on multiple levels. And each part, I believe, is a very important part. But, so for instance, talking. Uh, effective we have to get in touch with the story a lot of times the body carries the story there's a lot of uh, more recent literature and um, a lot that's being put out there about that somatic piece right so that's where hypnosis may come in that's where EMDR may come in in terms of processing it but not getting stuck in that story and then developing you know ways to calm that nervous system down We have a hard time making effective change if we have a dysregulated nervous system. So it's all very, very finely woven together, and and over the years, it actually becomes more simple in how I understand, possibly getting better. And it doesn't. Not one fit works for every person.
0: Oh, I just I resonate with so much of what you said. Um, I think that the mind-body connection is. Huge! It's really, it's undeniable. Um, I've worked with Dr. Sarno's work to help Mm -hmm. heal my own back pain and back pain of my clients. So I am a firm believer in this. And I think still for many people, they turn to the mind-body connection when everything else has failed. Do you find that to be true?
2: Oh, absolutely. Um, So ladies, just to give you a little bit of background, I'm in a very small community, right? Cody, Wyoming, outside of Yellowstone bighorn base and Cody proper probably about 10,000 people right so the interesting part is that I have systems and skills that you're not going to find anywhere close to this area but yet I'm the last stop, by the time somebody comes to me because somebody says, hey, there's this therapist who does some really weird stuff, you might want to try her, (laughs) it literally is the last stop. (laughs) Kind of like the couples therapy I do. So anyways, (laughs) anyways, and I appreciate that because here's what I tell everybody, and here's one of my basic premises of my work, is I know that every person that walks through my door Is so incredibly competent and if they could have solved this thing this issue this problem without my help they would have already done it Mm -hmm. and coming from that position is the open field for a lot of people because they have had such disempowering experiences in medicine they feel cheated they feel angry but often I like to normalize it in terms of these physicians and medicine was doing exactly what it was supposed to do that you as the client the patient, your job is to advocate and ask the right questions. So yes, absolutely, I'm almost always the last up.
0: So when someone comes to you, and let's say they present with a more physical based issue, how do you, they're probably ready to listen by the time they get to you, they're just True. ready for anything. So how do you present what you do to them?
2: Well, and that's always rather interesting. <laughs> For a couple of reasons, actually, I feel, number one, see, given I have such a wide or a big toolbox, as I put it, right. a lot of times I believe what walks somebody in the door and what we end up doing in our work at this point can be very different. So when I hear I'm listening for certain cues, right? for, for instance, like that elusive body pain, that there's an old story right or I'm just listening for certain patterns or certain relationships to their language about their anxiety, their chronic pain. So what I introduced is the idea of doing something different because everything I do is very different and what it is to be willing to do something different to have a different experience.
0: That totally makes sense. And the line I use with my clients which sounds very similar to what mm-hmm. you're using is that nothing changes if nothing changes so unless they're willing to try something different their state probably isn't going to improve on its own
2: absolutely not absolutely not but that introduces the, the idea of curiosity right mm-hmm. and I think when we're talking about and I'm thinking in terms of Cynthia like of probably a lot of the population you see with a lot of IBS a lot of that mm-hmm. digestive Right. And I love this because we have to do a rollout, right? So, from your end, you're looking at the nutritional piece, right? So, let's say that person were to end up in my office. One of the first things I'm looking for is the stories. I'm looking for that, that story of that dysregulated nervous system, right? That's often tied to maybe, you know, some kind of trauma or whatnot. But the reality is, is that the curiosity piece, quite simply, is the beginning. And that actually comes from more hypnotic constructs, which is a lot of my work, I think, just ongoing naturalistically in terms of introducing these ideas to people.
1: I think it's amazing because I'm I'm knee deep in preparation for a talk I'm giving next week, and we keep tapping into that parasympathetic process in the body. Yeah. I think it's so grossly um, undervalued and underestimated, whether it's for digestion or sleep purposes or mindfulness. Um, you know, in, inclusive of the work that you're doing, and and I think that there's just a lack of awareness. We're we're a society that is largely so focused on the opposite side of things, you know, sympathetic dominance, being overstimulated, being on the go, not stopping to relax, have sex, digest our food, you know, any of those, um, you know, main constructs, uh, that's largely this overstimulated environment we work in. That's a lot of what we're, we're, mm-hmm. we're doing day in and day out and not connecting with our bodies, not, you know, slowing down, not stopping to think, um, so I think it's it's so valuable that you've been able to make those connections with your with your clients uh, because I bet so many other people are not.
2: Right, and you know, Cynthia, everything you just listed are the things that I call our humanness. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of what I do talk, or maybe perhaps the way I like to talk with people, is deconstructing. Some of that, right? So we get tangled up about our appetites, we get tangled up about our desires, we get tangled, we get tangled, mm-hmm. right? And so hence, I'm sitting here going, what's the egg and what's the chicken? We get tangled, here comes anxiety, here comes dysregulated nervous system, right? Here comes the story about that. And the interesting part is, is that,
1: Do you find yourself struggling to get a good night's sleep? Today's podcast is sponsored by NutriSense. It combines cutting-edge technology and human expertise so you can see how your body responds to different types of nutrition, stress, WP for $30 off plus one month of free nutritionist support. Be sure to let them know you're a listener of the Everyday Wellness podcast when they ask you how you heard about them. This is one of my favorite ways to take care of my health and one of my top recommendations for all of my patients and clients.
2: Quite simply, you know, inner humanness, really tapping into that, acknowledging it, and it's developing more of this attitude of and so it is. And, you know, it's interesting because that PNS system, parasympathetic response, Mm -hmm. one of the simplest things I ask people to do, lick their lips, right? Touch their fingertips. Things, those areas of our body, actually, that have um, a tremendous amount of receptor sites. So it's quite simply just shifting that awareness, perhaps little by little, as opposed to tangling with ourselves because of what we either do too much of or don't do enough of.
0: That's fascinating. And you've mentioned the dysregulated nervous system a couple of times. Can you kind of define what that is and what it looks like when it shows up at your door?
2: Oh, my goodness. Well, it shows up in different ways, right? Okay, so probably my primary specialty is anxiety. Isn't it interesting, ladies, that everybody has this interesting generalized anxiety in this day and age, right? The interesting part is, person walks in my door, they are talking to me about their anxiety. From the very onset, I'm actually asking them, when did they take ownership of it? Meaning, Mm -hmm. when did that become your anxiety, right? So we begin from a process of deconstructing that. The anxiety can show up in that trauma body, trauma response, that PTSD, that anxiety, dysregulated nervous system, of course. I believe, in, and I preface everything with it's my opinion, <laughs> um, is like fibromyalgia, right? Quite simply, you know, so many of these issues, um, and I see more and more of my work is less diagnostically driven, and more symptom oriented, because we have so many symptoms that are cross diagnostic, aren't they? So no matter what, we're seeing that person who has the inability to focus. We're seeing that person who has the inability to perhaps really complete things. um, And we start looking at diagnoses, but we're actually missing, quite simply, just that dysregulation. The person who is waiting for the next emergency, the next crisis. Uh, The person who can't take a deep breath. The person, I could go on and on. So it shows up in a lot of different ways, Kelly. Kelly.
0: That makes sense. And you know, I also think that we're so used to seeing it, it seems like that's kind of the way every, a lot of people walk around in this world, that just because it's normal doesn't mean it's healthy. So I wonder if you have to kind of do some education around that.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. I also have some personal hypotheses about why we're seeing a lot more of that, and what we're calling. First of all, I like to remind people that once upon a time anxiety kept our ancestors alive, right? Mm -hmm. So I ask people, so where's the bear, right? So especially out where I live, there's literally bear. (laughs) No, no, it's a very real (laughs) issue, right? Mm -hmm. So, So in a moment, when we think about that, because one of the pieces that I'm gonna go back for a moment to curiosity, I have yet to know anybody who claims to have anxiety, who is curious about what's behind door number three, okay? Mm-hmm. They're figuring out how to run away from door number three and one and two, right? Mm-hmm. Then that sets up that cascade of the habit of anxiety, right? Mm-hmm. So in our day and age, and I'm not even gonna go off on a whole nother tangent about electro smog. <laughs> about about that whole other piece of it, um, about our, you know, the societal piece of it, and even relationally what's happening, okay? But the reality is it's overactive limbic limbic systems, that Mm -hmm. hamster wheel, what I call the hamster wheel of the anxiety, just looking for something to attach itself to, right? And and it develops a story. I mean, that's where we get the agoraphobia, right? uh, We could be, and Kelly, you know this, and you probably do Cynthia as well, our olfactory, right? Mm -hmm. Somebody goes to the store, they have a panic attack. They they say, well, it must be all the people. They don't know that their trauma-based system just picked up some signal that said, hey, there's a threat, right? So we have a lot of misattribution going on. So the anxiety piece of it, that dysregulated nervous system, it's interesting when we calm that nervous system down and that anxiety has a chance to really attach to something useful, it can actually be, I believe, a hidden gift.
0: I think we just don't don't think about it that way. So tell us about how anxiety could attach itself to something useful. What does that look like?
2: Well, for instance, like being focused on a project, right? Um, Making effective self-change, right? So to me, We can become very externally oriented about the anxiety. Once again, there's a story, the narrative. We start telling ourselves, it's a natural part of being human by the way, right? Our brains has a natural negative bias. It's like I think Rick Hansen who says, you know, it's it's Teflon for the good and Velcro for the bad. I love that. I love it too because it sums it up. So if we can help that nervous system calm down if we can push pause, and this is the language that I use with people, right? Take a deep breath, become curious about what's happening inside, not outside, right? So the reality is, so the anxiety piece of it to me is a management issue. Medication does not, in my opinion, seem to be highly effective mm-hmm. for managing it. Diet is a huge piece of this. Do you know that, Cynthia? Mm-hmm. Right? Deconstructing the narratives around the anxiety is a huge piece of it, right? Being able to push pause. But when we are living in fight or flight system, just like what you were talking about, Cynthia, in a sympathetic, a constant state of sympathetic arousal, right? We cannot problem solve. We can't find strategies. We can't slow down the hamster wheel.
1: It's so true. I mean, I, I'm listening to this and I'm, you know, I'm I'm struggling right now with a 13 year old at home who's very bright, um, two years ahead in math. And, um, you know, he's doing really well in this algebra class that he's taking as a seventh grader. But his anxiety is making it hard for him to sleep. Mm-hmm. It's making him hard to think. It's making him harder to digest his food. Uh, And so you know one of the things that we did for him or I should say I because my husband said you know I'll give him a direct quote typical guy um, Let him let him figure this out. You know, I I was the same way I was a seventh grader many years ago taking Algebra 1 Mm -mm. and I said no We have one of the highest rates of teen suicide in the state Uh, I'm not going to let him flail uh, because I feel like it's almost like the domino effect if we don't if we don't grab the first domino before it falls yep. you know we can create a cascade of um you know reactions to to stressors that could be a lifelong problem so um had it got a great referral for a wonderful therapist who mm-hmm. coincidentally lives three miles away from my house and only takes our insurance he's mm-hmm. in a big practice with psychiatrists as well as uh-huh. counselors and therapists and um you know he sat me down before he spoke with my son and the first thing he asked me was, we could go one of two directions with this. And I said, medication's not an option unless you tell me that's the only option. Mm-hmm. And he said, absolutely not. We've got a whole bag of tricks we can work with. And so he's actually working on mindfulness exercises. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was explaining to me, the therapist explained separately and then Jack explained to me separately what he does when he starts to feel that sense of dread and overwhelm. Mm-hmm. And it's really been profoundly effective. So, uh, you know, I think Western medicine's perspective is always push drugs. And I recognize there's a time and a place for that. I'm not suggesting it is not. Uh, But for so many of these other people that are just in this sympathetic overdrive, Um, you know or this you know deconstructing the narrative as you say in terms of you know figuring out their truth for themselves Mm -hmm. Um, that's a better long-term strategy to me on so many levels to help people develop real skills that they can utilize moving forward if they start to feel those those sensations and feelings again Um, it's interesting how life kind of comes full circle because I used to feel so differently about this it was like oh just give them some Xanax and call it a day
2: Oh, I understand, and you know what, Cynthia, you're absolutely, absolutely right. Isn't it interesting, we're seeing so many more kiddos, like your Mm -hmm, son, mm -hmm. who are struggling, right? Mm -hmm. And like I said, we can get caught up on looking at all the externals and why this is happening, or we can cut to the chase and go, what do we need to do Mm -hmm. to help this child, you know, develop more ease and flow so they don't develop a bad narrative about struggle and shame, especially those boys, Right. Right. Exactly. So uh, that's wonderful. And we're going to see more and more of that. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that's wonderful that you found your way to the right practitioner, because that's often part of the problem. Mm -hmm. You know, if we look at what's happening in our school system. Right. And we look at these classrooms and that a lot of times the go to is medication. Mm-hmm. I believe that we have overly diagnosed ADD, yep. we've got more kiddos with generalized anxiety, right? Mm-hmm. We've got, why is it we have more and more kiddos on that autism spectrum? And we're talking mm-hmm. about, or reactive attachment disorder, right? Yep. At the bottom of all of those diagnoses they just laid out there, including your sons, is that dysregulated nervous system, right? So that's wonderful that your son can develop strategies because especially for these boys, I believe, having a go-to if they can do something with it, right? That's really important, having a sense of efficacy and competency.
1: And I think, you know, in in so many ways, and and certainly I'm not a a mental health expert, um, but just in my experiences, you know, working as an NP and a nurse and seeing a completely different way of things, how they're managed um, to see that there's so much. And when it's your own child, obviously, to see that there's so much benefit and value. I mean, he we pulled dairy out of his diet, too, to see if that made things any worse. He's, of course, ridiculously angry with us about that. But (laughs) we are seeing some improvement, because we know that can be an excitatory, um, you know, potential toxin in a body. Um, he's angry as heck with us about that. We hear about that a couple times a week, but he is actually starting to, to settle down a bit. So that diet, you know, um, brain connection is, is profound and strong, whether whether they want to accept that fact or not.
2: True.
0: That's and I very think it's a, such a, actually a gift that you're finding this out now and working on it now so that those kind of negative pathways don't become over-entrenched and over-practiced as he continues to experience struggles and challenges in life like we all will.
2: True. And I think that there's also value, once again, going back to efficacy and competency and our kiddos figuring out what works for them. Mm-hmm. Just like for any of us, right, Cynthia? I mean, your are yes. folks that you work with. We often have to try different strategies. It's not a one-stop shop. Right. And instead of it being shameful, it can actually be an experience of competency and really valuing self, especially for these boys. I mean, Mm -hmm. I really believe that, you know, especially I've got a 15-year-old, you know that at home. And a lot of my work with him right now is really well. Right now, it's about tuning into others, <laughs> learning mm-hmm. empathy. But a few years ago, it was really tuning into what his body was telling him, with sports, what he's eating, why he doesn't feel good, and we have to teach our children these things in order mm-hmm. for them to really be able to advocate for themselves and figure out what works for them, and they have a sense of real competencies. They become adults.
1: Mm -hmm. Have you guys heard about a bioactive whole food on the market with 5,000 published research studies backing it? When my oldest son needed to go on antibiotics a few months ago, I discovered slash Cynthia. That's B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com slash Cynthia and use promo code Cynthia10 for 10% off of any order. Again, that's promo code Cynthia10 for 10% off any order. It's hard for parents to to sometimes accept that that you know you get to a point where your children are starting to really become independent little individuals, even if they're taller than you. Yeah. Um, you know their brains are still evolving, changing. I know this morning was a good example of this, Kelly. I'm sure this will humor you. Kelly has a, a younger younger little one at uh-huh. home, um, but I woke up late, and you know in years past that would have necessitated me flying downstairs, getting <laughs> lunches made, getting people dressed, getting them to get their teeth brushed. And I actually got up, jumped in the shower, got dressed, made my bed, and then, you know, they were downstairs doing their own thing and and recognizing that that's ultimately our goal is to make them, you know, independent little people and eventually independent adults. So having that ability to be flexible Mm -hmm. um, is certainly important.
2: And self-governing and that way, Cynthia and Kelly, Hopefully our children don't have to struggle with dysregulated nervous systems and anxiety, mm-hmm. et cetera. Because they will be a good they'll have a good sense of self. Mm-hmm. And isn't that maybe at the heart of all of our work, right? Each person's different and unique in their own way. And they maybe have a different pathway, but each one of us perhaps offer maybe a unique complementary alternative way of understanding what works for each person, just like what we're teaching our children.
0: Mm-hmm. I want to switch just briefly and and talk a little bit more about the specific strategies that you offer. Um, I love that you have a program titled enough. I mean, we know that the lack of being enough good enough, Mm -hmm. worthy enough feeling enough is so rampant and underlying a lot of this. So tell us about this program that you offer and how it helps people.
2: Well, first of all, um, This will be the first time I'm really rolling this out. And so this is interesting, I'm even taking this outside of the office. So I wanna back up here for just a second. And what I really wanna say, is, no matter what I'm presenting or talking about, this all comes from my years of sitting with so many folks, right? So literally, I remember the session, woman I was working with and she looked at me, very competent, professional, I mean, athletic together lady Long history of a lot of relational issues, etc. She looked at me and she said, "Well, why am I just never enough?" and and she was just amazed. And I said, "Enough for what?" And she said, "Well, enough for that guy to chase me. Enough for that guy to want to stay with me. Enough for my mother to love me. <laughs> not for." Her. And I literally broke my heart. And so that's the origin of the enough because I hear this from so many of us women, right? Um, And I believe it's very different than for for men in certain ways. Um, A lot of times men, in my work with men, it's actually simple. They want to know why they are somehow not enough for their lady. Us women, we're struggling with, am I enough for my boss? Am I enough for my children? And it's a really long list. And then we look at ourselves and we talk to ourselves in ways that I know that I wouldn't let anybody talk to me. So in fact, that is one of my strategies or or information that I offer people to ask them if they would allow somebody to speak to them the way they talk to themselves, right? So that was the origin of this. What I'm hoping to do with this is open up a dialogue. So it's going to be initially a six-week structured program with very structured inventories each week i would like to do i'm going to be doing a a group zoom meeting i'd like to keep the numbers low so we can have a little bit more intimacy because i really want to open up the dialogue because i believe a lot of us women might be surprised to find out all the different ways the rest of our tribe feels like we're somehow not enough And sometimes we can really dispel the mythology behind it in order to have a sense of connection community but also to connect back with ourselves about how we need to feed ourselves because if we don't feed ourselves in mind body and spirit then how are we ever going to be enough for our children how are we going to be enough to create great vision in our lives so that's where that program's starting, so I'm going, like I said, it's going to be much more of a coaching-based program, a little bit of therapy thrown in there, and I want to be able to offer a little bit of my time, maybe a 30-minute consult with each person, but the next program, interestingly enough, that's segueing, is about anxiety, which isn't a big surprise, and that basically is going to be the premise of, have you had enough of the anxiety, and I'm working on that right now, So that's kind of the beginning parts
1: of those pieces. I love that. I I think that, um, you know, for many of us that have done a lot of one on one work for a long period of time, working in a group is such a different dynamic and gives us an opportunity to really see, um, you know, our clients from a different perspective. I, I have a lot of my one on ones that are in group programs. And I get to see an entirely different side of them when they're working in a group setting, uh, mm-hmm. which I really enjoy. And, and they have given me the feedback that they enjoy that as well, as I'm sure you will uh, too. But what an incredibly needed service. I think that um, there just aren't enough people doing that kind of work in a way that makes it accessible for the average person.
2: Oh, thank you, Cynthia, especially for me coming from Cody, Wyoming, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you, you are you are an old soul. I mean, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, you mentioned your tagline. Um, one of the things that we picked up on where it said therapist by day adventure mm-hmm. by choice. Um, you are definitely one of those people that you know, you may be living in Cody, but your mind is always your mind is always elsewhere. You're always thinking about mm-hmm. other places you could go and evolve.
2: True. My spirit is elsewhere. (laughs) Correct. Correct. I I come to understand that our three-dimensional reality is so much more expansive, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, and speaking Um, of being elsewhere, it sounds like you're spending some time in Hawaii.
2: Yes. Hawaii is my love. I absolutely, that is the bottom line for me. Um, Quick story behind that. 27 years ago, I was there with my father. Landed back there back in 2017 and as I say, she called me Pele. And that was the birth of the Aloha Lokahi Retreats. And so this is combining my background in therapeutic recreation, I have a bachelor's in therapeutic rec, my love of travel, my own personal processes doing spiritual journey that I have had powerful experiences that. And I'm almost hesitant to say this, but as a therapist, I said, boy, that knocked out 10 years of therapy. (laughs) 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 So I'm just inviting people to come have an experience. And I know the value of virtue, especially for us busy ladies. That's the all-inclusive part, not having to think about what you want to eat, where we're going to go, being well taken care of. And it's interesting what happens in terms of our mindset and our mind state that allows kind of maybe richer learning that we can take home with us.
1: Your your program sounds absolutely amazing. I, I think I'm going to have to take a look at that a little more closely in the future.
2: Thanks, Cynthia. I appreciate it, my dear.
1: So tell us how people can find out more about you and get involved with your work.
2: Okay, so you can find me at my website, www.layladim.com. That's L-E-Y-L-A-D-I-M.com. I Um, I have a lot of information. My website increasingly is going to have more and more information on it. Um, You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Layla Lokahi. And you can also book a discovery call. So I'm doing much more work in terms of online coaching dash therapy or therapeutic coaching is what I call it with folks uh, via Zoom meetings. And I will be putting together or putting out there the group program here in the next couple of months.
0: That's awesome. And I, I just have to say that I so resonate with the therapeutic coaching piece. You know, I too felt as if therapy can get us so far, but that mm-hmm. coaching piece can really take us into kind of that next step, that next dimension.
2: Exactly. Uh,
0: yeah. And so we we thank you so much for being here and you've provided us with so much to think about and our listeners with such valuable information. But we, we love to have two kind of nuggets that we leave our listeners with. So if you could – tell us and our listeners two things that they can do to improve their wellness every day what would those two things be
2: well the first one's probably not going to be a big surprise but become curious that's so big to me become curious wonder why become curious about what the day is going to be like don't even look up the weather wait till the next day when you open up the curtain so just be curious and number two, one of the simplest prayers of gratitude is when you open up your eyes to just quite simply say thank you. And the more days we do that, the more days it's a natural flow in gratitude.
1: I love that. Well, thank you, my dear friend, for coming on and bestowing upon us some of your beautiful wisdom.
2: Thank you, both of you. You'll have to. I'm so. My, my apologies for my voice. I've been getting over a cold and um, I really appreciated this. This was great.
1: Oh, good. Well, we loved having you on, and your voice is absolutely fine.
2: Okay, thank you.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us. You can find out more about Cynthia and her work at chtwellness.com. And you can find out more about Kelly and her work at everydaytherapist.com. In addition, if you have questions for us or topics you'd like us to address, please email us at everydaywellnesspodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Until next time, be well.
1: Just as you carefully choose the cut of meat or freshness of produce that you cook at home, you should carefully choose chemical-free cookware that provides a healthy and safe cooking experience. The materials in 360 cookware are safe, sustainable, and of the highest quality. Their cookware is 100% free from any toxic chemicals as the company produces quality stainless steel cookware and bakeware without added chemicals and all are manufactured in the United States. It's also the leading manufacturer that equips kitchens with cookware and bakeware that are free of all of the toxic chemicals and coatings, including PFAS, Teflon, and ceramic.